0: Welcome to Near- Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, Enderf. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World: What Near-Death Experiences may teach about Life on the other side. Christmas Day, Merry Christmas, everyone. Now I'm not uh, fool enough to think that most of you will actually be hearing this on Christmas Day. But for the benefit of those who are listening on Christmas Day, I wanted to share another Christmas experience. So we have one by Roxanne on endurf.org, And uh, afterwards, again, kind of like yesterday, I have a song to share. It's not technically a Christmas song, but it's around this theme of love and and Jesus Christ. And so hopefully you'll bear with me sharing that at the end. It will be after the end of the show. So anyway, Roxanne says, I'm not sure where to start. It was December 3rd, 2007. My husband and son were just starting to get involved in the Christmas holiday. I had been tired and not eating very well the past two or three days, but I thought it was because I was busy. I decided to go upstairs and relax, but to my amazement, I got sick to my stomach. I remember a dull but painful pain in my upper back. I was very short of breath. My husband offered to take me to the hospital, but somehow, I'm not sure how, but deep down, I knew I would not make it there. He sent my 33-year-old son up to stay with me because I asked my husband to call 911. The pressure got worse. I couldn't breathe, and I knew the end was near. The last thing I remember without any help is being on my knees and screaming for help. At one point, I was awake enough to pull the respirator out of my mouth, then darkness. Time went by very fast. My husband said that at that time, a doctor told him to get me out of that hospital or I would die. They, my family, had transferred me to a different hospital. That is when they put me in a coma. I'm not sure when my near-death experience took place, but I did flatline seven times, I was told, by the staff and doctors that helped me. They now call me the Miracle Woman. My experience was this. First, it must have been dark. I was not in my body, but rather in a spirit form. I didn't walk, but floated or flew. The first thing I remember is seeing an old country store with a wood porch. There were young children sitting around. To them, it was cold. They were wearing winter clothes. As I looked closer, I thought I recognized them as my uncles who were no longer with us. But it was odd that they were young children, maybe the age of nine. They were looking at an older two-wheeler bike that they seemed very excited about. They didn't know who I was, I could tell by the look on their faces. There were a total of three or four children there. I saw that their pants were getting wet, and I told them, "'Um, Grandma is going to be so mad at you.' Then they looked at me for the first time. At that point, my grandmother's voice and a vision of her face, much younger than I remember, came and said, "'Roxanne, come to my house, and we can, take, we can make bread.' This gave me great comfort. My grandmother was famous for her homemade bread, at least in our family, not to mention her home. I remember being at her house for a while. There were young children coming in and out. I think they were my uncles who have passed on. It was a feeling of being in another time. I kept waiting for the smell of homemade bread and coffee. But instead, we sat at her table and she spoke. She had no regrets as a mother. The only regret she said that she had was that she never told the children how proud she was of all of them. And she wished she could tell them that one thing. This is where and when things changed. I know I was somewhere and very little light. Then in front of me, I saw blue clouds, bluer than any blue you can imagine, with brilliant white clouds, fluffy white, whiter than you've ever seen. While looking at this, I saw gold. I'm not sure if it was a table or road or a fence or altar. As I got closer, I saw a figure. At first, I did not know who it was, so I got even closer. I saw Jesus standing before me. I couldn't believe this was true until he moved. He was brilliant. Love radiated from him, and he knew who I was and everything about me he was perfect for lack of a better word his skin his hair his eyes they were like nothing i have seen before or since his robe was white and blue all on piece but all one piece but yet blended into one garment his gaze was of acceptance recognition and love His arms reached out to me, and his hands were bidding me to come closer. In eagerness, I ran to him. Once I approached him, we hugged, but not like a human hug. There were no bones. It was like his spirit went into me and mine into him, and I was at total peace. Then... I saw myself as a child, about three or four, naked, squatting on this platform. It was white. These giant angel wings closed around me. When they closed, there was a small amount of blood near the base of the wing. I felt safe and warm. I came back knowing that Jesus loves us no matter what. And he is waiting to welcome us. He is with us always in spirit. I have never been a bad person, but now I want to be an even better person. This experience has changed me and my attitude toward life. The seven times I flatlined happened within two and a half days. And that is the end of Roxanne's account. And what a beautiful account it is. It's interesting how, at first, I'm not clear... If she is on the other side or whether she is seeing something from the past, it's kind of unclear because, you know, she's in this countryside landscape which very well could be in the spirit world. I mean, I've I've heard much of countrysides in the spirit world. But she says she's seeing this old country store with a wood porch and that there were children sitting around. And it was cold because they were wearing winter clothes, which kind of brings up the question <coughs> of, is she seeing some people on earth in this, you know, old country store uh, because why would you need winter clothes if you're in the spirit world? I don't know. But then it goes on and, and she says that I recognized them as my uncles who were no longer with us. So they had died. That makes me think it was in the spirit world. But she says it was odd that they were young children, maybe the age of nine. They were looking at an old two-wheeler bike that they seemed very excited about. So this is, this is almost sounding like, I'm almost picturing something that you get like in the Christmas Carol, where Scrooge goes back and he sees himself and some of his friends and they're scurrying about this uh, schoolhouse and, and so forth. And he's just, you know, kind of taken up with the situation that was from his memory. Now, she doesn't say, Roxanne doesn't say whether she, how old her uncles were at the time they lived, at the time they died, whatever, or whether she may be experiencing some past incident uh, with her uncles there, they being nine and maybe she's even younger. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. She's doesn't seem clear on that herself. Uh, and, and when she, but when she goes, and approaches them, it seems that they don't know who she is. And by the look on their faces. And she says there were totally three or four children. She says, I saw that their pants were getting wet. And I said, I said, grandma's gonna be so mad at you. Because you know, these nine year old boys and, and so forth. And yet this sounds like something a little kid would say to her uncles. You know, grandma's gonna be mad at you. And then they looked at me for the first time and she says, at that point, my grandmother's voice and a vision of her face, much younger than I remember, came and said, Roxanne, come to my house and we can make bread. And this gave her great comfort. She goes on to talk about going to her house and making bread with her. And all the while, She says, I kept waiting for the smell of homemade bread and coffee, but instead we sat at her table as she spoke. She had no regrets as a mother. The only regret she said she had was that she never told her children how proud she was of all of them. And she wished she could tell them that one thing. Which is interesting because clearly this is not just some scene from the past. And yet it almost looks as if a scene from the past is being placed before her for her grandmother to talk with her. And her grandma's much younger now, uh, much younger than, than Roxanne ever knew her. And so this is so interesting to me that she's seeing something, you know, a scene of her uncles and yet they're young and she's kind of, you know, talking to them as if she's a child or or maybe just joking with them grandma's gonna be so mad at you because their pants are getting wet and and so forth and the next thing she sees her grandmother in vision and she's invited to come to her house to make bread and then she's sitting talking with her grandma about her regrets no no regrets really except the regret that she never told her children how proud she was of them which makes me think she was probably telling her that so that she could go back and tell her other children, which would be Roxanne's aunts and uncles and mother, how proud she is of them. Interesting. And then things get really interesting. because She says that's where things change. At first, she's in kind of this dark area with very little light. But then these blue, just blue beyond blue clouds, with white beyond white clouds um, come forth. And within those clouds, there is someone. And she can't tell if it's a table or a piece of a road or a fence or an altar, something that this being is standing on. And as she gets closer, she sees that this figure is Jesus Christ. And she recognizes him as such. And at first, she kind of can't believe her eyes, but then he moves and he was brilliant love radiating from him and and she describes him as being perfect in appearance his skin hair eyes everything was perfect and the perfect love coming from him the acceptance the recognition and love and then he reaches out to her to come closer and as she approaches she hugs him but she says this isn't like a human hug And it sounds to me from her description, she says it was like, his spirit went into me and mine into him. And I I was at total peace. It sounds like merging to me. They merge and they share this wonderful expression of love, a hug like nothing we can experience here. And then all of a sudden, it appears that she's probably having a peace of life review because she sees Herself as a child. And it's unclear what's going on in this situation, but it appears that she is being protected or maybe loved in the midst of some kind of trauma. I I only say that because, you know, she's naked squatting on this platform and there's a little bit of blood on the base of the wing of one of the giant angels that are closed in around her, whether they're protecting her, whether they're shielding her from some kind of trauma. It's unclear. She doesn't say, she doesn't even necessarily seem to know. But the, the message or the uh, situation seems to be something from her life, whereas a young child of three or four, she's protected by these angels. And whether she's aware of the angels or not at the time, again, that's unclear. But in this situation review, if you will, this memory review, a a single instance of memory that is brought before her is one of loving protection of, of angels surrounding her and feeling safe and warm. She says, I came back knowing that Jesus loves us no matter what. And he is waiting to welcome us. I love, and I love these last couple of lines here. She says, he is always with us in spirit. And then she says, I have never been a bad person, but now I want to be an even better person. That seems to be what the influence of the presence of the Savior brings love and acceptance beyond anything we can describe and a desire, whatever our state, to be an even better person, a more loving person, giving up the parts of our lives that we just know are not part of who we are meant to be, who we are capable of being. He sees beyond those things those faults of ours, and sees the person that we can be, our potential, who we are meant to be. And by seeing that and embracing that part of us, he propels us into that person that we are meant to be, who we can be, who we're capable of being, leaving us feeling a loving acceptance from him, but wanting to be a better person how beautiful how beautiful and what a what a beautiful christmas message that jesus christ that that child who came to this earth in the most humble of circumstances and died in the most humiliating of circumstances and returned to share this message of love to the world is now sharing it over and over in the lives in the miracles of the people across the world in our own lives in small ways in big ways in tiny ways and in and in some ways that we may not even recognize until we get to the other side and look back and see he was there with us all along that message of love is so all-encompassing and so universal. I don't care what religion you belong to. I don't care what ethnic background you have. I don't care what country you're from. Everywhere that message of love permeates. And in the times of the most tragic difficulties and traumas of war and suffering and pain is often when that message takes on the most potent flavor of joy and, and relief and suffer, uh, uh, from suffering. The most f- feelings of, of absolute joy and acceptance and love. And in that, we often do our greatest growing. We are told from these experiences that we are here because we wanted to learn. We wanted to experience so that we could become beyond more than what we were. And like Roxanne experienced, this life, I think, will make us leave saying, I wasn't a bad person, but I want to be even better And those of us who are familiar with this message, who recognize it, are in a unique position to be able to experience that now while we are in the position to do the most good, to share the most love. So with that, let me share with you or give you a little preamble to the uh, song that I'm singing today. And uh, this is not... Traditionally, a Christmas song, but in in my religion, it's a very simple, very short. It's considered a primary song initially, one one for children, um, and the words are "As I have loved you, love one another," uh, and it's it's the message that Christ gives his disciples in his last supper with him, just prior to going up and suffering in Gethsemane, and then immediately after being taken to taken off to his trial and eventually crucifixion. It's, it's basically his last words and last message to his disciples. And the, while the, uh, the original song itself is very simple, it's just these words uh, quoted from the Bible, more or less made to rhyme, obviously. But uh, as I have loved you, love one another. This new commandment, love one another by this shall men know ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And that's the whole song. And it's very short. It's a beautiful song. And I thought in coming up with an arrangement for this song, I thought it'd be fun to do that as if the song is the chorus to the song and then add some lyrics in or create some lyrics. And so that's what I did. I wrote some lyrics around this, uh, context of Jesus being among his disciples for the last time, his last message to them being one of love, love, love. So with that, I want to wish all of you a very, very Merry Christmas and thank you all of you so much again for listening.
1: sadness in his eyes As he broke the bread and blessed the cup of wine His gaze turned to the skies I wish I'd known it'd be the last I'd see him dine We sang songs of grace I could have sworn I saw His eye release a tear Then he looked into my face And spoke with mighty words Both strong and clean What no anointed Lord should ever do Washed my feet, I tried to chasten But again His words surprised and pierced me through If I don't wash you now You can never have part with me Let me give Must understand somehow Do the same to one another while you live. to one.